don't know when to quit, do you, girl? I'm going to teach your ass a lesson. That's what you can do. Stop! Go! Get your ass over there. The fuck you looking at, old man? Huh? The hell are these spooks up to? Spooks? Look, you better get your ass on, hunky, while I still let you. That's right, That's what you better do. Fuck you think you is. Ever notice how you come across somebody wasn't around it? You shouldn't have fucked with. That's me. Hello, everybody. This is Generation Loss. Movie time. <laughs> <laughs> the best intro ever. <laughs> I'm Bryn, and that's Jeremy. How are you that's doing? That's the best one we've done yet. Wow. <laughs> Powerful stuff. <laughs> Coming out the gate. Strong. I don't know if this happens to you, but for whatever reason, every time you start the show, I always think you're going to say, uh, welcome to Be People. <laughs> I'm not I, on that show. I never, I, I like don't listen to it that much. But still, every time I hear you say, hello, everyone, I'm like, welcome to Pee Pee Bloodets. <laughs> this is Pee Pee Bloodets. What the fuck is up? Uh, no, we are not talking about all of the terrible politics uh, this week. We're talking about yeah. movies. No, we'll have probably talked about them a couple days ago. Right. For on you. Our other shows. <laughs> No, 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 in the bonus episode, Oh, too. right, on the bonus. That's usually you know, what we do. Mm-hmm. If you wanted to give us $5 a month, If you'd like perhaps, to have a little you know, you, a little could, you could hear about our politics a little bit. <laughs> a little more. You a won't hear more. anything about our politics on this fucking nope, movie. Nope, not on this episode. <laughs> not a chance, my friends. Not a chance. It's a totally normal episode. <laughs> a political movie we watched. A really Nothing normal Nothing to say movie. about the, yeah. It's just a coming-of-age story about a 90-year-old man. <laughs> A man who's 600 years old. (laughs) (laughs) It's very funny to think of like um, like a movie like The Outsiders or like um, Stand By Me or something, but it's all old ass people. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Breakfast Club, but they're just in a nursing home. Yeah, they're ancient. (laughs) It's like (laughs) Jamaican nurse who's the principal who's coming in just like, you're mine. (laughs) Three more days, you're mine. And the old man's like, suck my old dick. (laughs) Hey, guys, have you ever had weed? (laughs) And they just get really high and they trust each other for some reason. And then the goth girl is just actually insane and has dementia. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> just a baddie old lady with like pink hair. <laughs> and when they do the the dance sequence scene, um, they're like, all doing like the fucking Lindy kill. Hop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh man, boy. I want to see that movie. That's kind of yeah. like um, Bubba Hotep. Is that what Bubba Hotep is like? Bubba, Ho- have you ever seen that movie? Mm-mm. It's a movie about a guy in a nursing home who is believes he himself to be Elvis. Oh um, yeah, and it's um Samuel Jackson, right? No, no, it's uh Bruce 
Bruce Campbell from Army of Dead. Oh. What am I thinking of? I don't know. <laughs> um, Black Snake Moan. Oh, yeah. That's not about this. Uh, that's about him like capturing a white woman or something. <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> um, this is a movie about... Uh, he thinks he's Elvis, and then there's mm-hmm. another, a black man, played by Ozzie Davis, who is uh, who believes himself to be JFK. And uh, there's a mummy that sucks people's souls out through their asshole. Okay. And uh, and uh, they have to fight the mummy. It's insane, but great. Ah. <laughs> um, Tight. <laughs> anyway, I didn't watch that movie this week, but I kind of feel like I should. What did you yeah, watch what this do- week? <laughs> all right, all right, all right. I'll go first. Um, I watched um, the King of Staten Island, which is oh, a new movie. Pete Davidson movie. Yeah, Pete Davidson, Bill Burr, uh, Marissa Tomei. That's kind of like the leading leading cast, uh, made by uh, Sir Judd Apatow. Um, he directed it. Yeah, yeah. yeah uh-huh. Oh, I think so he this might is the new the new Apatow joint. Pretty sure, yeah, right? Okay. Um, now you got me questioning it, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure it's an Apatow. If it's not, then it sure is passing for one. Um, it feels like funny people or something? Yeah, so what I was going to say is, like, I I liked it a lot. I think it was really good, but, yeah, it's it's Apatow. Okay. Um, and it's written by him and uh, Pete Davidson and Dave Cyrus, who I don't know who that is. Okay. Um, but... Um, yeah, so it's 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 really good. It's really funny. Um, it's a lot more touching than you expect it to be. Okay. But it does definitely... It suffers from Apatow Syndrome Is in a pretty major way. Is it four hours long? It's so long. <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, yeah, it's two hours and 15 minutes long, which is entirely too long for a Pete Davidson-driven comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't feel like it it doesn't feel like it needs to be, you know? And that's kind of the big problem with Apatow movies. A lot of the time is that it's like, it just feels like he refuses to ever have an editor. Right. Well, he's not, yeah. He doesn't want to listen to anybody who's like, no, you should make this tighter. It'll feel better. He's like, no, I want to put all the shit I wrote. I filmed in it. Yeah. He has this, like, I've heard him talk about it before too, that he has this idea of like, you know, people have this false notion that comedies need to be quick and, uh, you know, I want people to understand that, um, you know, they can have space to breathe and space to, like, you know, develop and whatever. And you're like, sure, that's fine. But the problem is that your movies are just, like, laden with, um, like, montages that don't need to be there. <laughs> oh, you yeah. Know? That's very true. Like, long montages of just shit happening. And you're like, it's 2020. We don't need montages anymore. Yeah, I don't um, want that. There's a lot of scenes in this that feel like they should have been cut. There's one where, like, so the story is that Pete Davidson is, like, a fuck-up kid on Staten Island who wants to do it's tattoos. His, it's his real life, basically, right? Like he Sort of, yeah. It's like if you replaced being a comedian with um, doing tattoos. But also not really, because he, um, he got really successful really young. He was, like, 18 when he got SNL. Really? Yeah, something like that. Maybe he was 21, but he was really young. Um, and in this, he's, like, 27 and, like, living at his mom's. But it's it's very, you know... It's close to home at the very least. Right. Um, but the story is he wants to be a tattoo artist, and uh, but he's like not really doing anything towards that. And that's kind of like the refrain of the movie is that he's like, I'm getting my shit together, guys. But then he just never actually does anything towards it. So he's <laughs> okay. just always kind of just like wallowing around and just being miserable. And uh, his 
father died in a fire. He was a fireman. He died in a fire. Uh, and then his mother has well, been often, single for like 16 years. How and often do you like, think that happens? That firemen die in fires? Yeah. Do you think Probably it's like a lot, a yeah. lot of times or it's just like every once in a while? I don't know, actually. I mean, I guess, <laughs> I mean, it seems like every firehouse has like some sort of a, like a sigil out front, like some sort of like a, a like a plaque that is like one of their fallen brothers. But then, right. I don't know. I don't know. Probably pretty often, I would guess. Yeah. But anyway, so it's like his father died in a fire and then his mother's been single for 16 years and she meets a new guy. That's Bill Burr. And Bill Burr is also a firefighter. <laughs> oh, Bill Burr's in this? Yeah, Bill Burr is fantastic in this. He absolutely carries it most of the time. Oh, great. Um, he's Bill so Burr... funny. He's really good at acting, it turns out. That makes complete sense to me. Bill Burr is like, he's funny because I feel like he was, um, like when Louis was like the woke guy, mm-hmm. Bill Burr was like the anti-SJW guy. Right, and yeah. then their like actual personalities became ob- like more clear, and they like flipped. Yeah, exactly. Like-, <laughs> like it turned out that like Louis was like a rapist, and then Bill Burr got like married and had a kid and settled down. But <laughs> and also, now he's making like-, like heartfelt stories about a stepdad. <laughs> <laughs> but is also super like much more like actually woke, uh, mm-hmm. whereas you know he's very blue and un, you know uh, offensive or whatever in his comedy but like as a person right. seems to be like very good hearted whereas like <laughs> Louis Do you ever um, watch rape- his cartoon? Bill Burr has a cartoon? Yeah F is for family it's on Netflix. Oh I saw that and I just assumed it was like some dumb rip off of Family Guy and it looked awful so I did, is it good? It's okay it's pretty good I mean if you like Bill Burr you'll like it because it's just him uh, <laughs> it's a lot of him all the time uh, I think it kind of is iffy. It's kind of sometimes not so great, but um, he's very funny, so you just get a lot of him. Yeah, I used to not like him, and then at some point something turned in my brain. I was Same like, thing. "Oh no, he's Same really thing. funny." I didn't like him. I think it's like it's like uh, like Patrice O'Neill syndrome, mm-hmm. where the people who like him are so insufferable that you're like, "Well, I have nothing to gain from." being into Patrice O'Neill. And then you watch him and you're like, oh no, Patrice rules. Like, <laughs> yeah, Bill Burr is a fantastic comedian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, so, uh, it like, the whole story is just about, like, the conflict between the new stepfather character and the fuck-up son character. And, like, you know, the stepfather character's, like, moving in to the house and, like, he's like, we gotta get rid of this guy. And everyone's like, why? Your mom's happy. And, um, <laughs> and it kind of, like, explodes at some point and they both get kicked out of the house and then they start bonding with each other and then they come back and that's kind of the story anyway it it, one of the things that like i was gonna say just really doesn't need to be there and is really a stupid out of nowhere scene is um he's like at a tattoo shop trying to become an apprentice and um the guy's like yeah you're gonna like do my shit work and whatever you're gonna like clean up the trash (laughs) you're gonna like clean up after stuff and whatever and he's tattooing a guy and for whatever reason Pete Davidson just starts like roasting the guy's tattoos and then but the guy's like a Nazi and so he's like he's like roasting his Nazi tattoos and you're like like not the owner but a random guy the guy getting tattooed by the owner okay um and he's like roasting his Nazi tattoos and then the guy chases him out and then you never hear about it again there's, there's cool. nothing great nothing, like he never goes back to that shop again he doesn't become an apprentice right. the nazi guy doesn't like fight him or anything. there's nothing that happens from it and so it's kind of this like weird 
Apatow derangement where he just like refuses to ever be edited uh, because I think he just thinks that like everything needs to be in there and everything is profound and everything is important. And I kind of hoped that like, cause you know, he's like doing stand up now. Apatow I, is. Yeah. Apatow does stand up now. And um, he did in the beginning in the eighties, he was yeah. stand up and then he quit and now he's back. Um, and I kind of hoped that like the process of becoming a stand up again <laughs> would maybe like help him understand why comedy is snappy. Right. <laughs> and it does not appear to have been the case. This is the first one that he's done, I think, since he became a stand-up full-time. And okay. uh, it's just, it's not snappy at all. There's a lot of that bullshit. But the other thing that I noticed, and anybody else who's watched this movie, like, let me know if you notice this shit, too. The editing is really sloppy in this, in a That's really intense way. That's how he is now. Go um, ahead. It's, it's like... There's shots in there where you're like, that's the shot. Like, <laughs> that's it doesn't what you feel fit? like anybody like logged the footage right or that anybody <laughs> like looked at shots and was like, the lighting's weird here or like the, the sh- it's framed wrong or like mm-hmm. there's a shot in the very beginning of the movie. Like, one of the first things you see is Pete Davidson's driving on that, uh, whatever the highway is that goes through Staten Island. Um, oh, um, the big one. But he's driving on does it. Does the FDR go through there? Uh, I don't think so. Okay, I don't know. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter. It doesn't um, matter. He's driving on the highway, and, is, and uh, he just, like, closes his eyes, and he's just, like, driving, like, faster with his eyes closed, and he almost, like, hits somebody, and they all crash and whatever. Um, and it's supposed to, like, set up that he's kind of just, like, depressed and, and in self-destructive patterns and whatever, but there's a shot where he turns the music down to go uh, say something to himself or something like that. But uh-huh. the insert shot where they go to turn the the volume down on his radio, you clearly see that what he's actually doing is tuning it. Oh. Like you see <laughs> the channels change, but the volume goes down and you're like, that's just the kind of thing that like you should catch. Like yeah. it's not, this isn't like the kind of thing that's like going to go in like the IMDB, like editing goofs or whatever. It's like, this is just like lazy. <laughs> Nobody was there that day looking over the footage to be like, Oh, he turns the wrong knob. <laughs> we should maybe, it's the opening scene of the movie. <laughs> maybe somebody ought to, you know, uh, maybe get another take of that one where he turns the right one. <laughs> It's also like or 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 uh, fucking go back into the shot and just scrub it. You know, <laughs> it's really easy to do that too. Yeah. Blur it, do something so we don't see that the radio is tuning. <laughs> it's also insane because it's like you're watching the fucking screen. Mm-hmm. You're watching him do it. Yeah, it's probably not even his hand <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like do the no, you fucking do the volume knob like on set. <laughs> Yeah, it's so, you know what else? So crazy. You don't even need the insert if you just show him put his hand there. Yeah, you have the you have the wide of it. You show him put his hand there, and you put the volume down. We all fill in the blank. No you one didn't is even confused. Need the insert. <laughs> Having an insert there is actually pretty stupid, unless there's something really important we need to say. Yeah, are we like establishing for later that the car has a volume knob? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of weird shit like that. There's okay. a there's a shot where Bill Burr is walking his son uh, to school or something like that, and they keep walking under trees. And um, every time they're out of the shade, they're way too bright. And every time they're under the shade, they're way too dark. And oh, cool! <laughs> it's just another one of those things where you're like, 
you're like somebody should have like scouted this location maybe yeah <laughs> like said like yeah it's gonna be the, it's gonna be pretty hard to light this um you know i have a feeling like i don't know this for sure and i'm you know it's probably not true but i have a feeling that around like after like during this is 40 mm-hmm. uh he was like i mean i can just shoot this with like a red camera myself and we don't yeah. need to like light it or anything who cares like right <laughs> like I feel yeah he somebody told him once like natural light is the best light right and he's like done <laughs> i actually will never have a D- dp on any of my movies um because he doesn't care like that's what kind of makes me a little bit mad at him is that he's not a filmmaker like mm-hmm. he doesn't give a shit about movies at all <laughs> it doesn't seem like he has any interest in telling a story with visuals and whatsoever like right it's a it's just a a podcast with visuals you know what i mean like right it, it could be a tv show it could be anything it's just because it's a, it's how he knows how to tell a story and i feel like you know it's fine some of them are entertaining but it's always made me a little mad that he like refuses to do anything interesting on screen. <laughs> yeah. He's yeah. He's not an interesting director visually. He's not good at like pacing. He's funny. No. He makes funny movies. Sometimes. Um, so one thing I wanted to say is that I um completely like started boycotting <laughs> uh, Judd Apatow after funny people. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I was kind of mad at that movie for being so unfunny. <laughs> right. Um, and then somehow, oh, I remember I had to do, we were doing like a, some kind of Oscar thing at my party or at my old work. Mm-hmm. And I had to watch all the screeners um, for the game that we were playing. Right. Um, Cause, and also it was full of producers. So we all got screeners at the job and, we got a screener for uh, This Is 40, which I have not actually seen all of because I fucking turned it off. Yeah, that movie sucked ass. Because that movie is so bad. It's, it's so boring. It's so boring, and it just makes me feel, <clears throat> like, bad for people. Like, if you recognize any part of your relationship in that movie, <laughs> right. like, don't. Just break up, man. Like... <laughs> don't stay together for the kids like it's they're they hate each other and you're supposed i i can't tell if you're supposed to like think that's funny that they hate each other or it's just like well, it's like the it's the peak of this genre of sad comedy right where like it's do you ever see that snl sketch about um like the uh network comedies trying to mimic streaming comedies where the bit was like, it's like ABC's new uh, comedy, uh, you know, uh, the, the gut-busting comedy from director, like, uh, Shoshana Moskowitz or whatever. Like, it had, like, some, like, really, like, NPR Jewish-sounding name. Uh-huh. And then it was, like, very clearly supposed to be, like, transparent. And it's, like, this, okay. like, gray, washed-out color palette of just, like, old people just, like... <laughs> it's, like, a woman, like, touching, like, the blinds. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, it's like, you'll bust a gut laughing as people over 40 explore their sexuality. 
<laughs> it's like these two people in bed just like I don't know who I am anymore. <laughs> it's like one of the best SNL sketches in the past like decade. <laughs> I feel like you maybe told me about this one before mm-hmm. and told me to watch it. Yeah, I, it's I feel like there's a certain kind I don't like that kind of thing anyway unless it's really interesting, but yeah. like that that movie is specifically like it had an effect on me like a horror film. Like I was just like <laughs> dreading every scene that looked like, cause it's all shot with like this like sunny natural light in like mm-hmm. w- pure white kitchens. And right. you can like see their lawn, their fucking lawn outside. And then they're just fucking seething at each other. <laughs> and it's just like every time they were like, walk into a room together i'd like cringe and like brace myself for yeah like, he's the- never met a medium wide he didn't love like he really <laughs> just like he shoots everything exactly the same all the time this movie is no different like a lot of natural light a lot of like knee up you know like maybe it's a cowboy <laughs> shot maybe <Yeah. laughs> like, mostly it's like knee up uh-huh <laughs> Um, yeah, outrageous how much this guy has gotten away with making the same shit over and over. Because, I mean, it's because he <laughs> was a comedian in the 80s, yeah. and he's friends with all these people who went on to become mega stars, mm-hmm. and he was given a lot of legs up in life because of that. And so totally. he he kind of he got to be like how we always say Ari Aster is going to be for his career. He got that, but just like undo. He did not deserve it. (laughs) He shouldn't have been given this privilege. (laughs) It doesn't seem like he did any work. Uh, I mean, the fucking, the 40 year old virgin is two hours long. That's his first movie. (laughs) Who the fuck let him make a two hour comedy for his first movie? (laughs) I know it's fucking insane. Uh, And isn't his first his executive he executive produced uh freaks and geeks uh-huh. which um is great um because the, it's entirely like done by paul feig who like knows how to direct a fucking <laughs> show right um and write one um i don't think he he only write like a couple of those episodes um but i feel like off of freaks and geeks he got fucking the ability to do more yeah, stuff freaks and geeks becoming such a major cult classic and whatever because it didn't really like last very long did it one season oh yeah um hmm. it got canceled but it definitely was like a huge like one of the first big like dvd successes right yes 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 where once they finally put it out on dvd it just like sold like gangbusters and like wouldn't stop and they had to mm-hmm. make more than they thought they were going to um because it's a good show um but uh that's a it's just so annoying. <laughs> I think like I've seen the pilot to Freaks and Geeks like 10 times and I've never gotten past it. <laughs> it's a cute show. I like it's it. It's cute. It like I have no problem with it. I think I just like continuously just get distracted with something else cuz I'm like I'm not a teenager anymore. This doesn't mean anything to me. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I watched it as a teenager and I haven't watched it since, so maybe it sucks now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um but I feel like 40-Year-Old Virgin is has funny parts. And that, the thing mm-hmm. about 40-Year-Old Virgin is that there's a ton of stuff in that movie that does not matter whatsoever. Right. And it's all fucking hilarious. Mm-hmm. And if it's not funny, then you should cut it out of your movie. Like, Even if it's funny, you should cut it out. <laughs> Honestly, like, if it doesn't serve the plot, this isn't, you know, it's not an endurance test. Like, people need to... <laughs> 
you, like if it doesn't serve the story, then it's worthless. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean, it's such a strange thing, and I feel like he, he only really made it work once for me, and like that's Forty Year Old Virgin. Knocked right. up feels too long. It feels boring in places. Yeah. Also, it's a bad story. I don't like that movie at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this is forty. Really made me want to just stop watching. Yeah, this is forty. Is such movies. an unacceptable movie. Yeah. Um, but I think King of Staten Island is pretty good. Good comeback. Uh, well, I he would... did also uh, Trainwreck, which is also unacceptable in many ways. But does yeah, I have, don't like that movie at it all. It does have funny parts. <laughs> um. I yeah so I I'd say I'd recommend King of Staten Island. I wouldn't pay for it. It's really expensive right now. Don't pay for it. Fucking just download it. It's, I would never pay for it. <laughs> it's fucking they. I mean, it's like a you know, it's a digital release. Um, so it's like thirty bucks, and they're like, what the you fuck? Know, it's like going to the movies. No, it like, is no fucking thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I think thirty bucks for an Apatow movie. It's also like I wouldn't want to go. I don't want to. I wouldn't go to the movies for thirty bucks either. Right. Exactly. I don't want to go to the movies that often. Like at least like I mean at least with Apatow movies you're getting like better uh value because <laughs> it's so long. <laughs> it's so long. But um yeah, I'd recommend it. I'd say it's it's a funny watch. Okay. I'd give it a give it a crack. I'll check um, it out. If because... not just for Bill Burr, he's really <laughs> worth it. Um and it also it profiles a type of person that's not really talked about in film very often, which is the outer borough dirtbag. It's <laughs> it's a really I mean, because that's Pete Davidson's life, he really did yeah. grow up in Staten Island as a dirtbag. Like it it profiles that type of character extremely well and mm-hmm. it like really nails that and like the the middle aged go nowhere outer borough guy. It's it's a really good movie about the outer boroughs. Mm-hmm. Um do you, That's what I would give it. Do you feel... What is your opinion on Pete Davidson as a person or, like, as a character? Like, as an actor or a no comedian? strong feelings. He, um... I mean, I... Obviously, as a as a comedy person, like, I've, I've resented him for most of my life. <laughs> uh, or for most of his career, at least. I've resented him because he, he got everything so young. But he's, like, undeniably very funny and very talented. Um, it's kind of hard to see a scenario where, like... It was any form of nepotism because he, he doesn't know anybody. <laughs> it's just like a kid whose dad died on nine eleven. Like I don't know how he would have gotten any sort of leg up in that way. Mm. Um, so it's like it's pretty clear that he's like really gotten everything because he's funny. I feel like it's weird that he's like very underutilized on SNL. Um, I've actually never seen him in anything that was funny. I've never seen yeah. his stand up. Is his stand up really good? His stand is pretty good. I've seen him like absolutely murder. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't like his special at all, but like I've seen him, you know, just around, yeah, at, like clubs and stuff, and he just like Crush. absolutely kills. Yeah, mm. maybe I'll have to find out once COVID's over. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I've I've never liked him because he seemed kind of like an annoying guy who yeah. you kind of like run into and you're like fuck off man like (laughs) and then i just never seen him in anything that seemed worthwhile Um, right so i don't know but i'll check it out i would definitely agree with that assessment i don't think i would like him in real life (laughs) well i saw one he did a hot ones interview and it made me kind of change my mind where i was like maybe he's nice i don't Mm -hmm. know but he just always gave me this he gave me this uh vibe of like you're a person who makes really terrible decisions all of the time and doesn't apologize for them. Right. Um, so, I mean, I could be wrong, 
if Pete Davidson, if you're listening to this, come on the show. <laughs> come on the show, Pete. <laughs> we'll talk about your little movie. We'll talk about your fucking movie. Uh, okay. Uh, what, what did you watch this week? Uh, this, this week I watched... Um, uh, I watched something that probably strains the credulity of what a movie is the most. That w- <laughs> okay. um, um, this is an this is a movie that an art, a filmmaker I should say this is a filmmaker I love dearly and have uh, forced people to sit through his work um, <laughs> more times than I'd care to admit. Um, and I won't do it to you because uh, you won't <laughs> like it, um, or at least you won't like some of it. Um, but his name is Stan Brackage. Okay. Um, and he is a visual artist, I guess is more appropriate. Um, he is sort of famous for a film called Mothlight, mm-hmm. which is, uh, you may have heard of it. Um, he, uh, what he did is he uh, took individual frames of exposed like clear film and then he'll like paint on them individually okay um and with his most famous one is called moth light and that has like actual moth wings on each individual cell and then Mm -hmm. he'll like glue them down onto it and then uh you know sort of do them in a certain order so there's lots of it's basically animation right um but he's literally just like gluing shit to film and then projecting it um so that's it <laughs> it's like a it's like a two minute movie and uh and they would screen these like a you know sort of before art films you know just be like and here's the new stan brackage thing and then you would put it on for five minutes and then it'd be over and then it's like and now the actual movie <laughs> right um and he was very he was um really prolific in the 70s um and made a ton of really insane stuff um a lot of them are painted some of them the criterion released his uh i think his whole body of work in two volumes um okay and so you know sitting down and watching all of the all of it is uh pretty intense <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, it's really good if you are completely inebriated um just to throw on a couple because it basically it looks like visualizers um you know like music visualizers right um but he he was the first sort of guy who i think was really getting at something like he was like what if film is like more like painting um and you know isn't to be like telling a story it's like completely not there's no actors there's nothing he has a couple uh stuff where he's like there's some shots of his actual house and stuff like sometimes there's like a person or like an actual shot that is like stitched in um but it's very abstract art um and so does he loop these or is it you'll just watch it the one time through and it's like no that's the that's what's interesting about him is that he didn't really think of himself as like uh, a gallery guy you know Mm -hmm. he wasn't even really as far as I can tell, he wasn't really much of like an artist. He didn't really think of himself as like, um, you know, like a f- experimental artist or whatever. He was just like a guy making 
stuff that he thought was pretty and interesting. <laughs> Did he have like another job or something? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think so. I don't really, I don't really remember his. Uh, his I'm always so history. confused by that kind of mindset where you're like, I don't have any sort of practical application for what I'm making. <laughs> you know, like I have no idea where this goes. I don't have any plan for how people find it mm-hmm. or get it or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's when you are uh, very when you're very uh into the the project right when you just like are right. completely outside of capital and just like i'm not trying to make this my career um but then what's weird is when people do find it and then you're <laughs> like but how then like because at some point he had to have gone to somebody and been like hey check out my little my little moth video i put <laughs> wings on the film and people are like whoa yeah that's crazy how do we d- do anything with this and he's like well what if we put it in theaters and they're like, mm-hmm. nobody's going to come to the movie theater <laughs> to watch five minutes of moth wings, you know? Yeah. I mean, well, apparently and they're like, what if we put it in a gallery? And he's like, the thing is it doesn't loop. <laughs> yeah. You can't do that. I, it actually, as a matter of fact, moth light specifically had to be uh, copied a couple times because screening the actual film would destroy it. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so he had to, I think there's actually the official one that they would run at like, cause this is in the six fifties and sixties. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you were talking about like theaters that are also porn theaters that like a bunch of weird kids like Maya Darren and John Cage and shit would like rent out and just screen their weird shit. Right. Um, and apparently according to Wikipedia, he, you know, was basically homeless <laughs> towards the end of the six towards the end of the fifties. Um, and was, uh, considering suicide until some weirdos found him. And, uh, I guess a magazine called film culture gave him a bunch of money. I think he was, Oh, apparently by the seventies, he started being a teacher at an art Institute. Okay. Um, so that was his sort of out. Um, I think he, he, he did find recognition, um, and, uh, you know, sort of made films and taught art and painting until his death. Um, so it's not a super sad story, but, um, it's, some of it is absolutely incredible. Like if you care about art in any way, like, like art, like, you know, high art or whatever, like if you can appreciate something like, you know, I don't know. Who's that guy everyone likes that I don't like? Uh, the one who just does fucking squares of color. Oh, um... It starts with an M. I don't remember uh, his name. Uh, squares of color. Yeah. Matisse? What are we talking about? No, here? no. The guy who does, like, the church. Uh, he does. He has, like, a church that's all black. I can't, what? So some, someone is screaming at the fucking <laughs> podcast <laughs> machine. Um, but anyway, if you can enjoy high art, then this is the stuff that it's great to put on when you're like really high or tripping or whatever. Rothko? Yes. Rothko. Fuck. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I love Rothko actually. (laughs) (laughs) You love Rothko. Yeah. I was like the M. What do we like? (laughs) What's his first name? Mark. Mark. There you go. Mark Rothko. Mark Rothko. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He has a church. (laughs) One of the only things that I love that he's done is like, it's a, it's a church that he made that is just like, um, five or six black paintings oh okay and uh Mar- oh the- then the outside is like some brutalist like uh yeah just cement it's yeah. fucking sick that is pretty sick um, that's really gnarly actually yeah 
Um, um, so if you're into that kind of shit, what kind of church is this? It's not real. It's just like a chapel to his own artwork. <laughs> oh. Um, I don't know. I could be wrong. Um, but yeah, if you're into that kind of stuff, if you want something that will really blow your, I mean, some of his stuff is very heady. Like there's a um, a piece that I can't remember what it's called. It's sort of some sort of uh, overly wrought prosaic title that's sort of like about like a Walter Benjamin like concept of history <laughs> uh, that's actually why I was thinking about it um, and why I watched it this week is because I was thinking mm-hmm. about like Benjamin's like historical constellation um, the dialectical imagery of history and uh, I thought so I threw it on and uh, it's really great like the film is supposedly like a visualization of that. So it's like right. sometimes a little bit heady and maybe a little up its own ass, but um, just in, in terms of like visuals, like there's one called black ice where it's like, I have no fucking idea how he did it. Like, it looks like you're going through a hole of like color mm-hmm. um, and it's just mesmerizing and incredible. So mm-hmm. I highly recommend uh, sand brackage. If you want to, if you want to watch something really weird, that's not a story. And it's also only five minutes. You can watch yeah. a couple and then be like, I love I that. <laughs> <laughs> Some of them are really short. Um, if only more movies were five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> I'd watch them all day. <laughs> uh, well, he also, uh, when I was in college, I screened a, um, his, I think his only feature film, um, which is not any more narrative <laughs> but uh-huh. it's like two and a half hours long uh and it's called dog star man um and like there is a person in it um but it is basically as uh as non-narrative and experimental as the rest of his work um it, oh it's only uh it's only 78 minutes but it's it feels like it's a hundred years long because <laughs> because <laughs> it's because it's just visuals you know um right and i screened that in college and 30 people showed up and by the end of it three people were left (laughs) (laughs) uh and it was very fun um that's very so if you want to watch something really weird i highly recommend stan brackage um so let's get into this movie let's get into it man all right um so if you are a patron of the show You'll already have heard of this, but I want to start a new thing when it's when it's applicable. Um, I so this week we're talking about Gran Torino, the 2008 Clint Eastwood movie. <laughs> yes, we are. Um, <laughs> and uh, I want to read the synopsis as provided by Conservapedia's article, <laughs> "Great Conservative Movies." Um, so of course, Gran Torino, 2008, rated R. In this For quote swearing. unquote guy cry feature. Guy cry. Guy cry, yeah. Wait, uh, who's gun crying? <laughs> You're supposed to cry because... Um, he's old. Because he, he's old and he dies at the end. He sacrifices himself. For um, no reason. For no reason at all. Uh, so in this quote-unquote guy cry feature, gun-toting Korean War veteran Walt Kowalski, played by Clint Eastwood, is upset that his neighborhood has lost its traditional American values and turned multicultural. Oh my God. (laughs) Overflowed with gangs and violence. He takes down a violent gang, terrorizing the community, turns a boy into a man, and strengthens his Catholic faith. 
$270 million at the box office. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why that's part of this article. (laughs) Because it's classic. And uh, they're right-wingers, so they can only measure that in amount of money that it made. Yeah, so Grant Torino... (laughs) Grant Serino tells the story of uh, an old racist man who um, his wife dies at the beginning of the movie. Um, his good-for-nothing sons and their fucking pussy kids and their fucking slut daughters uh, and their Japanese cars, <laughs> they, don't, they don't appreciate the sacrifices that their fucking father has made. And so they just, like, trample all over him and ruin his life, and he hates them. Yeah, he, and they hate because him they're too. sluts and, yeah. <laughs> and idiots. <laughs> they all hate each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, the, but the slut granddaughter, what she wants more than anything is his old-ass car, his Gran Torino, and he's like, no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, have to, can't, can't continue on describing the movie without mentioning that Clint Eastwood sounds more absurd than Christian Bale in Batman. He fucking rules that. <laughs> it's like the only fun part of this movie for me is like how much fun it is just his reactions to shit. Like in the early parts of the movie, when it gets later and they start like really getting into it and whatever and you're, it, they're having too much fun with it and you're like, no, never mind. But at the beginning when it's like his his just like dipshit son's just like, hey dad, uh, can I borrow a fucking tape measure? He's like, all right. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like looking more like Clint Easter than he ever has before. His face is just like, like a fucking, like a capital I. It's just like a straight board. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing moves except like the furthest out reaches of his lips. Just like unbelievable what that man's face looks like. And it's not even like a Botox thing. He's always looked like that. Oh, yeah. No, he he looks like trash. He looks awful. I mean, he looks like it's weird that he's not dying uh, in the movie. Um, He's currently alive. He's 90. I know. (laughs) He's so old. He's just being like fueled by hate. Yeah. Um, Um, But so, yeah, so his uh, he's got this car that he treasures and whatever. And uh, he's got this family that he hates, and they all hate him, and whatever. And then uh, there's a Catholic priest who comes to his house, and he's like, "Hey, Clint Eastwood, um, I uh, was friends with your wife, and she wanted me to get you c- c- confession." And he's like, "Never, <laughs> not in this lifetime. You can suck my fucking old dick." <laughs> he's like, "All right, well, I'll see you in the second half of the movie." <laughs> <laughs> and That's he just right. fucks off and we don't see him again for a long ass time so um, most of the movie I mean, I, we see him like three times yeah <laughs> it's just ridiculous mm-hmm. um but so then uh we're introduced to his um his deteriorating neighborhood full of East Asian street gangs. There's really nothing that's deteriorating about it except that it has Asian people. It looks mm-hmm. totally normal. <laughs> And I guess, like, to him, it's not, because to him, he's like, they're not taking care of their lawn. <laughs> yeah. Um, he, he hates that about them. He hates that they don't take care of their lawn. Um, but so there's, like, a family who lives next door or across the street or something, and we meet their son, Tao, is it? Tao, yeah. Yeah, their they're, son Tao. They're right next door. They're right next door in, like, his this old man's house that uh, I guess he knew for a long time who died or some shit. Mm-hmm. And he's like, live, they could see what they've done to your lawn. <laughs> um, 
but it, the point is he hates the Asians. He absolutely loathes the Asians. I, I, I feel like we should say that it might be hard for us not to say some slurs on this it's episode. It's going to be tough because he says slurs, he says slurs all the time. Every line. I, every line. I, and he says every one of them. He gets like a full, right. like a, you know, in, in, in soccer, they call it a perfect hat trick where you get three goals and you do one with your left foot, one with your right foot, one with your head. It's like that. He just gets every one of them and he just like nails all of them. And you're like, oh my God, like this sounds so natural coming out of you. There's no way this is just a roll for you. No, impossible. He's 100% saying it because he loves to call Asian people those words. He's saying the John McCain problem word constantly. What is this? constantly every time to their face like at yeah. first because i because you think when you watch the movie you think well surely he's just a racist and then he's gonna learn something right yeah no that's... all he learns is that he <laughs> likes the family next door and that's... that's the only thing he comes out of this with i was trying to read like you know like i do sometimes where i try to find the old reddit threads about it and whatever right and like everyone's like, it's about an old man who learns not to be racist anymore. He learns like uh, to open up his worldview and accept wrong. Asian people. You're like, wrong. He's still <laughs> calling them slurs at the end. He's still talking about how sick it was to kill people in Korea. <laughs> like he absolutely does not learn anything except that he likes Tao and he likes the family next door. Right. <laughs> like maybe he kind of understands that like that like it's possible for an Asian family to have similar values to him. Maybe that's what he learns, but that doesn't mean that he like comes out of this being like, I understand Asian, but like I, he still hates them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so anyway, continue with the story. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. So, uh, um, yeah, at some point, like his sons try to put him in a retirement home. The sons are like wildly pointless. To this story. Yeah. The, it doesn't <laughs> they matter. Mean nothing at all. Um, but uh, yeah, so the family next door, um, uh, the son Tao, uh, is getting like bullied a lot. He's like a little bitch. Uh, his his <laughs> is sister is like making him like do all the chores and stuff. And his family is like, look at him. He's like, look at him fucking cleaning the dishes. What a loser! Yeah. <laughs> like his mom's saying that about him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he looks like a, he's like like he's just a little yeah. pussy. Like they're he's calling him all the time for yeah. for like gardening. <laughs> Yeah, this poor kid. Who's take, he's taking care of the lawn, and they're like, fuck off, you little bitch. <laughs> you little bitch. <laughs> um, but so he um, he's getting bullied a lot, and uh, he's having trouble with you know the gangs around the neighborhood. And at some point, he's like walking home from school, and um, there's like a gang of, uh, are they Latinos? I think it's Latinos in the first part. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a Latino gang who like roll up on him and they start making fun of him and they're like doing like, uh, you know, like slanty eyes at him and they're like calling him slurs or whatever. Right. And he's just Which trying to like, what everyone does in this movie, everyone does it in and the they most, never stop and they never learn <laughs> in, in, in the most, uh, like after school special way where, yeah. where they're just like, clearly not good actors who like they it's like he was like make fun of him we're gonna shoot you making fun of him while and right. they're just and so they're just vamping they're like yeah hey, it's going wild hey come it, yeah. here uh guy uh <laughs> you're fucking lame you're a fucking baby like yeah like they're <laughs> saying like and then they like finally start to get to like racial stuff and they're like what do you work in a chinese restaurant you're like a chinese restaurant <laughs> What are you talking about? That's the that's what you wrote. <laughs> I don't think they did. That's the thing. Yeah, I, I think feel it like just says like 
the the gang is racist to him. But what's funny too <laughs> is that like functionally what they're doing is no different than what Clint Eastwood does throughout the movie. Yeah. They don't brandish a gun until the other gang comes. So for all we know, they're just saying racist stuff to him, which is <laughs> what Clint Eastwood does. But for this scene, we're supposed to be like, damn, that's intimidating because they're people of color in yeah. this scene. <laughs> really, that's the what you're supposed to take away from this scene. It's like, oh, obviously these are the bad guys because they're Mexican. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but so they're they're yelling at him. He's just trying to keep his head down and keep walking, keep keep his eyes on the floor, just move along, right? And they, you know, they just won't let him. And then Tao's cousin and his gang pull around the corner and they're like, hey, fuck off. We have a huge gun. <laughs> and they're like, we have a smaller gun. We're going to leave. And they drive away. Yeah. And then Tao's cousin begins this like really aggressive, uh, like US Army style recruitment scheme where he's like, Tao has to be in our gang. <laughs> Why? Yeah. Why do you care? In what way is Tao an asset to their gang? <laughs> yeah, you clearly think he's a little bitch who can't do everybody anything. your family's constantly talking about what a pussy he is <laughs> and they're like we need him in our gang though. yeah if you're not in your gang we'll kill you we've That's... been looking for we've been looking for a kid to just meekly look at the floor while we <laughs> threaten people with uzis <laughs> yeah and so um, they make him they they dare him to um steal clint eastwood's awesome sick car that everyone cares about and is impressed everybody by. wants this fucking car yeah <laughs> i man. don't i've never heard of a grand Tur- i mean i'm not a car person but i've never heard of a grand torino so yeah. it's weird that all these normies are like that car is what i need in my life <laughs> yeah <laughs> like it's not a fucking so- you know corvette or it's you know it's nothing normal <laughs> yeah, so I guess they they begin this sort of like recruitment effort to try to get Tao in the gang, and it and it doesn't happen right away. He's like avoiding them and whatever. So you get the idea in your head like, oh, Tao is trying to stay out of trouble. Good for Tao, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and then at some point they come to his house and they're like fighting him and uh, uh, or wait, no, did this happen? Oh no, no, no sorry. So he um, they're like Tao, you got to go steal the Grand Torino. Yeah. And Tao goes in the garage to try to steal it. Clint Eastwood, like, pulls a gun on him, but then, like, slips on a banana peel or some shit. (laughs) And he's like, what? They both fall, and then Tao runs away. And then Clint Eastwood does nothing about this. He's just like, oh, man, that sucks. Or, sorry, that sucks that Tao (laughs) did that. (laughs) Yeah, he's mad that this kid did it. But he, he, I mean, he assumes that, I don't think he really knows I don't think he can tell them apart. <laughs> and right, he's sort of yeah. just like somebody try he's like somebody did it. Anyway, right. so he uh So then the the gang comes to try to get Tao mm-hmm. and they're fighting on the lawn or some shit oh, and right. then and then they go over onto Clint Eastwood's lawn and he comes out with his gun. He's like, get off my lawn. And they're like, oh, we're out of here. <laughs> Zoink, Scoob, we gotta go. And they do the like the runny thing where it's like. <laughs> right. They're, they're coming to get Tao to make him try to steal the car again, even though yeah, he yeah, failed yeah. and sucks. And then Clint Eastwood is like, I will gladly kill you and I will love it. And I want yeah. to murder you. Um, and he says some shit about how like uh, we used to do war crimes on people like you (laughs) (laughs) i've killed asian people specifically vietnamese asian people before and i will happily do it again i've been (laughs) chomping at the bit to do it uh and so you better run away and so they run away yeah 
So they run away, and then the next day, uh, he's just like fucking around, and and uh, Tao's family comes over, and they're like bringing him a banquet of food, and they're like, "We love you so much. <laughs> Thank you for fucking doing what you did." Yeah, they're like, and he's like. They're like, thank you so much for threatening to do a racist hate crime on our yeah. family. <laughs> <laughs> that is the way that this whole the whole neighborhood reacts in the way that thank you for putting a gun to one of my family members' heads and threatening to kill him racistly. <laughs> <laughs> the whole neighborhood comes and brings him nice food and flowers and he's like beautiful looking fuck food off, it looks you fucking fantastic fucking Asians I don't want this I don't like you <laughs> and he's like throwing it all out which is funny later because like you know that like he's kicking himself for that down the line yeah. once he starts to like hang out with them and realize their food is dope he's like, oh. you can tell he's like thinking about it all the time he's like oh, I threw that fucking thing I out threw that uh. dumpling out shit <laughs> <laughs> um, but the daughter introduces herself to him uh, and you think, oh, she's going to be the main character. Mm-hmm. Nope. <laughs> you know, she's going to be an important character going forward. It's not. It's Tao. Tao's going to be the main character. Right. Um, but she, for a while, is. And she's the one who's hanging out with him. She introduces herself. And he's like, all right, well, you know, get out, get out of here, whatever. And then the next day, it seems like, he's driving. She's on a date with... Clint Eastwood's actual real life son. Oh, is that who that is? Yeah, he's the, not the, introduced, and it's very crazy. Who you're like? It's what just is like this a guy? dude who uh, she's on a date with, I guess. Uh, just like a, you know, just some dude. He's okay. a, he's a Uyghur. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he is an Asian Muslim man. <laughs> uh, but they're out on a date, and uh, these uh, black dudes, I guess, like start just deciding to just harass them and they're like oh, yeah. yeah you the, suck definitely we don't one like of the you. more re- like this one i mean it this is where you get the this is where like the rubber meets the road on this movie right. because it's like what's happening is these black people are harassing them clint eastwood just happens to be driving past he pulls out of his car and he's like uh he's like now i understand we can bond over our shared hatred of the black man. <laughs> yes. Like, that's what it seems like, is, like, they're finding solidarity with each other over their shared racism against a different race. Yeah. Because um, in this movie, the only black people in the whole movie <laughs> mm-hmm. show up and then threaten to kill Clint Eastwood's son and rape the main yeah. mongrel. And the only Mexicans do the same thing, essentially. Right. <laughs> um, so, and then, and, then he, and then he goes up and you know... You know that they had to edit out the N-word. Oh, for sure, yes. Because <laughs> he calls them... S- <laughs> you know that, okay, but you know that the original script of this movie, Tao was a black guy. <laughs> you know the original script of this was, was about black people and Clint Eastwood lived next door to them and then somebody was like, you cannot do this, Clint. <laughs> I don't know because I feel like the, I feel like Hmong people are very specifically chosen because mm-hmm. if you, Hmong Americans are specifically the descendants of people who fled Laos because they worked with the CIA. Yeah. Not, well, we, we no learned other... this very shortly. Um, <laughs> so we'll come back to this very shortly. Yeah. But um, but the the scene here is is kind of where you understand what this movie is about. Yeah. Because also because this is not boomers, but whatever like the next generation above them is, uh, whatever Clint would generation? is. No, not greatest gen. There's one in between them that's silent? like lost generation or is it silent? Maybe silent. 
Yeah, yeah. So he's like a silent, but it's like it's this like power fantasy where like mm-hmm. you can tell that this is all just shit that Clint has pictured in the shower where he's just like, <laughs> yeah. if I came across some black people trying to uh, rape a woman, <laughs> what I would say. And cause like the, cause the scene plays out as this like outrageous, like unrealistic, ridiculous scene. Like, mm-hmm. cause he says something like you ever come across someone you knew you shouldn't have fucked with. <laughs> that's me and they're like oh god we should get away from this guy (laughs) this old man yeah shit we should run away from this 73 year old man yeah he's going to perform a hate crime upon us immediately (laughs) he doesn't care um and it's it's yeah it's pretty obvious that this is just like he just wants to kill black people it's like death it's like annoyingly like blatant death wish but if the main guy was annoying (laughs) and like wasn't Uh even like it couldn't even be disguised as an action movie because he's too much of like a because he's i mean he's not gonna actually go out and find people doing anything bad and then kill them because he's a coward right like if he wanted to do racist hate crimes he could probably find gang members in his neighborhood doing stuff and kill them right because he (laughs) does it multiple times in this movie but he's a coward and so he doesn't do any of that he just sits on his lawn and fantasizes about (laughs) so he uh so now he's like driving the the sister home and she's like wow you really do fucking rule and whatever and he's like yeah i do and they get home and then like the next day she like invites him to a barbecue it's his birthday it's his birthday and like his kids are not calling him or whatever i don't know they come over and they bring him a cake and 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 say that maybe you should go into a old folks home and he like oh yeah quivers with anger and then it cuts to them like running out of the house oh, yeah I guess. they do one of those fucking cornball things where it's like they they have like the awkward moment and then smash cut to oh he kicked us out i can't believe it and you're like it's just like a lazy writing move for people who don't want to write that interaction right you they know? don't know how to like actually make a believable him blowing up at them or like mm-hmm. and in a they he he doesn't know how to write it in a way where it's like believably scary and then them rushing out like what does that interaction look like? And so right, they're like, they, exactly. we want them to be rushing out, but I don't know how to get there, so we're just gonna not write it. Yeah. <laughs> they like, might as well have just had a scene where it's like a smash cut to Clint Eastwood running with like the entire Hamon community like running behind him, like. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> oh no! I've angered the mob. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, which is funny in Ace Ventura, but it feels really lazy in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, and this is where it kind of starts to get really lazy, basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like from here on out, it's like, I mean, it was really lazy at the beginning because his kids are written like shit. They never say anything believable. Well, they never sound like real people even once. I knew that this movie was going to be very, like I knew there was no way this wasn't going to be a fascist racist movie. But I mm-hmm. did not expect it to be God's Not Dead level dialogue. Like, right, yeah. some of it is so, like, the movie opens and they're at a funeral for his dead wife. And they're like, they're like, I can't believe he looked at this girl this way. He's been so mad since mom died. Like, it's just like yeah. info uh-huh. dump to the camera. Like, when, they, when they're like, absurd. did you see the way he looked at my Japanese car? Yeah. <laughs> He's racist <laughs> against Asians. 
<laughs> it's always Japanese this and Korean that. Yes. <laughs> Unbelievable. It's, it's insane. It, this is God's Not Dead for racism. And then the, the all the Hmong actors are just like dreadful. Oh, They're really bad. So bad. And I heard that a lot of them are like non-actors. A lot of them are you know first timers and whatever, mm-hmm. which is understandable. Um, except like it's like you're not you know you're not a fucking Italian neorealist like genius you know <laughs> like yeah, yeah. you need to be really good at directing to work with <laughs> non-actors and get good stuff out of them and like Clint Eastwood based on what I've seen which is like an American Sniper and this like <laughs> you're not that's not you Clint no well also <laughs> the thing about that is, is if you're going to uh, find Hmong actors who, you know, a, a, a community that's very, very small um, mm-hmm. and also um, doesn't act, have never been on film before, apparently. <laughs> it was apparently okay. a big deal that, like, there was real Hmong actors in this movie um, because they were, like, never on screen before. Um, you have to do insane casting calls. And, and you know... Yeah. And you know Considering that Clint Eastwood is famous for doing like one take of everything, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know that he was like, "This girl looks good. I don't care how she does it." Like, right? Yeah. Like he doesn't care. <laughs> He's making like ideological products. Um. Oh, so then. Um. I guess this is the scene now. Where, so he's at the barbecue, mm-hmm. and um. You know, he's meeting everybody, he's eating all their food, and he's like, wow, I love you guys. The Hmong are great, <laughs> actually. This is awesome. I love your food. This is cool. Um, yeah. And then all of a sudden. <laughs> uh, this is when, well, but this is when she's like, so Hmong people, because he's like, where are you guys from? What is Hmong? Yeah. And she's like, it's Hmong. And, uh, you know, we, we're, we're actually from a bunch of different places and whatever. We're a people. We're not a nation. And he's like, oh, that's interesting. And she's like, yeah, you know, when you guys were in Vietnam fighting the communists, we were fighting the communists, too. Yeah. And you're like, what? <laughs> Wait, Whoa, what? what? <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, and then once you guys left, the communists started to kill us. And I was like, uh, what? <laughs> Why did they do that? <laughs> <laughs> interesting. What did you guys do? <laughs> Yeah, it's left there in the movie, like, the communists killed people, like, in a genocide, like, an ethno-cleansing way, and they don't tell you that, like, the Hmong people are just people, are, like, Laotians that fucking worked with the CIA to, like, try and kill Vietnamese people. Right. (laughs) It's fucking nuts. Um (laughs) But, uh, yeah, so that's in the movie, and then they just let that hang there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's never really brought up again. Mm-hmm. He doesn't really, he doesn't re- react to it very much. He's just like, oh, interesting. You're still Asian to me. And they're <laughs> like, okay, cool. That's fine with us. We love it, actually, when you call us slurs. They never, right. like, that's, that's the- there's never a confrontation over this. They're like, when when he says, like, you know, you eat dog, they're like, actually, we eat cat. <laughs> We're having fun with it. Yeah. And that's what's, so, so then, um, Speeding it up here since we're over an hour yeah, now. <laughs> um, all of a sudden, t- t- they uh, 
they decide that Tao needs to um, apologize, and by doing that, he needs to be Clint Eastwood's slave. Yeah, for, he has <laughs> um, to apologize for trying to steal the car, so he has to be Clint Eastwood's so slave. So he's a slave for a week, and during that time, he's like, well, I love my slave. Uh, he's actually cool, and uh, he's like, I gotta man you up, and so there's all these weird scenes where he's like... Yeah, this is where like the tone of the movie gets really confused, right. because you're like, is this a movie about... like? family and like <laughs> like like the way that you can like find family elsewhere is this a movie about you know like coming away from your prejudices is it like moving on from grief is it about gangs <laughs> or no. is it like a goofball show about like uh you know manning somebody up and whatever this is the only part of the movie that i i really actually like though interestingly enough okay because um like the Clint Eastwood character, even though I think that he's, you know, detestable, um, I like as a kid I was friends with old people. Okay, <laughs> like, that was like who my social life was built around. Okay, <laughs> and so there's a part of me watching um, all this, just like, all right, this is pretty fun. Like it's about a kid hanging out with an old guy. Like that's right. pretty fun. I like that. That's you know? <laughs> that is that is the only part of the movie where I was like, where has this movie been the whole time? Mm-hmm. Uh, where it's just like I, I was still sort of baffled by like there's a scene where he takes them to a barber and they're like here's how to be a man an adult elderly man yeah. um, we just call each other racial slurs all the time yeah he like and comes in like, he's like how's it going you fucking wop and he's like pretty good you Catholic you, you, or whatever you dumb you Polak oh yeah Polak and he's yeah. like the, but like no one I don't know. I mean, maybe there's some sort of like elderly community that like loves commenting Slurs. on like the type of white person you are or whatever. Yeah. But I don't think that's real. It feels like an entirely an invention for this movie where it's like, see, this is why it's OK for me to call you a zip. <laughs> right. And like it's very funny. Though. The, the funniest part of that part, though, is when they're on their way there, um, because Clint Eastwood is kind of like trying to. Uh, like front loaded a little bit right, where he's yeah. like he's like so we're gonna go there and you're gonna see how we kind of bat it back and forth mm-hmm. you know the way that we riff with each other yeah. and you're <laughs> it's just funny to hear him like like what his idea of what that sounds like yeah. is he's like it's like how we just kind of like keep the ball in the air you know <laughs> just a couple of clever guys making funny jokes <laughs> yeah and then they just go there and they just say slurs and you're like it's not this is like it's it this is a conversation and i promise we can get back on track after this but it's a conversation that happens a lot in comedy where like somebody will be like you think that like you can't you know that like edgy jokes are not okay and like you know you pc people whatever like you want to police the way that we talk and, and you know, I personally, and then they get on their little, you know, soapbox and the South Park mm-hmm. music plays behind them. And they're <laughs> like, I believe that we can make a joke out of anything. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's how we cope with, with this horrible world sometimes. And like, you know, if you can make a joke about one group of people, you can make it about everybody mm-hmm. because then who's special and whatever. And you're like, yeah, but like the problem is that you're not doing a joke. You're just saying a slur. <laughs> it's not funny. Yeah. You just said a slur. It's not a joke. You didn't structure it like a joke. There's no setup and punchline. It wasn't clever. It wasn't like, it didn't take any thought. You just said a slur. Yeah. <laughs> that's all it because is. Because you actually have to understand like position of power in culture you have to understand anything like you have to understand yeah. sociology like it'd be like trying to make jokes about different types of 
I don't know, sandwiches, but you just know the names of them. <laughs> and that's Yay, it. Yeah, you just come in and you're just like, what's going on, Italian BMT? What's up, a fucking Reuben? And it's like, <laughs> that's not a joke. You're just saying the names of sandwiches. You said the name of the sandwich, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it doesn't even matter. That's offensive. It's just not anything. Right. Um, so yeah, the, the, this movie even, I think, fails on trying to be funny or... or I don't even if that's what the, they're trying to get at it. Which it's it's hard to even tell if that's what they're trying to do. Um, There's a couple parts that got laughs out of me. There, Part, no. Most of the time, it's because it, it's unintentional and it's just funny that Clint Eastwood <laughs> is who he is. Yes. But there's one Some part of it that is funny. happens during this sequence that got a good laugh out of me, which was, um, and it's like really corny and it's like boomer humor shit. Mm-hmm. But it's like um, there's like the first half of the the slave sequence is that like. <laughs> Uh, Clint Eastwood can't think of anything for Tao to do so he just has him like kind of fuck around and whatever yeah. he's like you know go count birds in the tree and whatever and then there's a second half where he's like he's going off on a rant about how the the Hanam people uh, uh, or whatever what are the, Hanam? Hamong Hamong uh, the Hmong people uh, don't take care of their homes and like they make the neighborhood look like shit and whatever and then there's like a moment where he like pauses and he's like I have an idea and you're like Oh, okay, that's fun. <laughs> Suddenly he realized that he can use this. Yeah, he's like, oh, I see. I can make you behave like the whites that I like. Yeah, exactly. Like, I'm going to use my slave time with you to have you fix up your house. <laughs> You're like, all right, that's fun. That's a fun, like, it, it would be well at home in a sitcom, it, not in a movie about racial <laughs> like old people's or racism. <laughs> yeah, so, okay, so then he decides to uh, actually start doing really nice things for him. He gets him a job as a construction worker because he wants yeah. to you know he wants to make money so he can go to school and he lets him use all his tools and um basically the other the girl the sister whose name i totally i'm bl- totally blanking on disappears yeah. from the movie and they start bonding he uh he's like you should hang out with this girl who's hot and i want to fuck but um I don't remember her name. Jumbo Yum Yums. Uh, <laughs> he calls her Yum Yum all the time. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember her real name. Um, her name is like Yao or something like that. Uh, but uh, she, he, he's like, you got to go out with this girl. You got to get a girlfriend. We're going to get to a job. And then there's just like yeah. lots of scenes of that happening. And then mm-hmm. uh, at the end of the movie, um, the gang comes back and uh, shoots up um, their house um yeah and then they why does that happen he like unclear it's not he harasses them or something he does oh, something right. i'm sorry i'm forgetting the the plot point is that on the way home from one of his days at work he's been working uh, oh yeah they're making another they're taking another crack at recruiting him for the they gang. Ju- they just see him <laughs> and they're like after all this time they're like hey we still don't like you and then they burn his face with a cigarette and yeah. clint eastwood is like hey what the fuck happened to your face this sucks uh and then he goes and finds him beats the shit out of one of the gang members puts a gun yeah. in his face and he's like you stay away from toad because i'm gonna fucking kill you if you don't and then they're like fuck you and they go by their house toad's uh tao's house um he calls him toad the whole movie i'm sorry yeah <laughs> um and then he shoots up their he shoots up their house um toad 
gets hit, I think, a little bit. Like it gets Yeah, cut. he gets like grazed on the neck. Nobody else really gets it too bad. But they kidnap the girl and rape her. <laughs> yeah, Sue, the sister. They oh, they like Sue? beat her they beat the shit out of her and rape her. And it's like this is like one of the one of the good scenes of the movie for me is like when she finally gets home. Yeah. Is like this is like the only scene where everybody's acting is really spot on. That's true. And it actually really is like very emotional for a moment. Like I actually like for a movie that for most of the time I'm just kind of like laughing at and just kind of like wow okay they're, they're doing that now <laughs> like this is the one part of it where suddenly out of nowhere I'm just like oh fuck right. dude because there is something very emotionally resonant about just like you know this woman coming in with like a fucked up face and yeah like, yeah it's not it's not I mean I think it's tasteless that they did it at all but I mean mm-hmm. if you give it if you can extend the the gratuity of like accepting its premises. Uh, then yeah, it's well done. Um, mm-hmm. I agree. It's it's not it's not it's not stupid. It makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I think it's gross that they wrote a story where the cousins are like so f- so wild, batshit, insane gang members that they, that they rape, rape their, cousin. their own cousin. Yeah, yeah. weird, uh, stupid, and bad. But for sure, no, I, I, and I don't mean that. Like even the build up to this or its inclusion is good. I just mean that in that exact moment, yes. everybody acts well the, the, the scene is well done um and like as much as you're like mad at it or annoyed by it or, or laughing at the movie overall for one moment you're just like holy shit she got fucked up that sucks yeah and this is it's a it feels like a real movie for a half second yeah uh, and not a and not a like after school special about how good racism is and then yeah. uh, and then uh so he's like oh so him and tao are like well, we got to fucking do something. And he's like, we got to go over there right now. And Clint Eastwood is like, no, hang on. We got to, we got to prepare. We got to do this right. Some, you know, we got to do it. So we really get back at them and Tao's, you know, a kid. So he's just all mad. Um, so they make a plan. Um, and it's very clear that Clint Eastwood, it's not a surprise, but it's very clear that Clint Eastwood has decided that he's, for whatever reason, going to die. So he starts. Oh yeah, because he um, the, the, randomly out of nowhere in the middle of the movie, not not a big plot point at the first half of the movie. Randomly in the middle, he starts coughing up blood, oh, yeah. and then he goes to the doctor, <laughs> and they're like, "You have lung cancer," yeah, and he's he, like, "Oh he, no!" <laughs> he gets movie disease where you just start coughing up blood, and you're like, "Uh oh, yeah. <laughs> that's not good." Just like yeah. every once in a while, it doesn't really affect his life very much. Um, mm-hmm. And so he, uh, yeah, he's just like, all right, fine, fuck it. I'm going to, the, the last thing I'm going to do is this. So he goes, he gets a nice clean shave from his barber. He gets fitted for a suit. He gets his car cleaned, I think, some some other few things. And then what he does is he. Oh, and he goes to confession. Oh, right. He finally, that, that whole Which plot is like point, <laughs> the full circle on this character. We come. all remember the priest. <laughs> He comes by and he's like, all right, we're doing this, Father. And he confesses. And the scene, as far as I remember, nothing. I mean, who cares? He confesses. Yeah. Um, And then so he go, him and Tower in their basement. They have a conversation. And the only time this comes up is when also in their basement, we didn't mention. Uh, but he uh, when Tao finally is like, hey, don't stop calling me names. <laughs> stop calling me racist <laughs> names, you old stupid old white man or whatever tries to call him a honky yeah. or something and then so in this moment they're like have you ever killed a man i've killed a man it sucks and i don't want that on you so he locks him in his basement right and he's like don't follow me um i killed people like you uh 
with the gun that you're holding or whatever. Um, right. And this, you know, it's this scene would have been okay, I think, if uh, the kid could act at all. Um, but mm-hmm. it feels really bad. Uh, and then so he goes to the cousin's house, the the gang's house. They all live together in a house for some reason. Um, it's like their hideout. And so he goes there and he's like, hey, I don't want you to fuck with Tao anymore. Um, and so they're like, fuck you. And then he's like, puts a cigarette in his mouth and he's like, do you got a light? I've got a light. And then he whips his hand out of his, his jacket like he's got a gun, but it's actually just a lighter. And because... Uh, he did that motion. They all fucking riddle him with bullets. Yeah. And he and for, dies. And for whatever reason, this is what they thought was going to be like the big end. Yeah. The big finish. Like the, his big plan to get back at the gang and finally get them off the streets is what? That like they get arrested them into murdering <laughs> him. And like what has been keeping this gang on the street all these years, all this time has been that nobody ever saw them do something? What? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was just like, watching this movie, I'm like, "Uh, what what happened? Why did he have to do that? Because it's like, we we have proof like why didn't you just tell the cops that they raped and shot up a house like you know yeah, who they a, are go get a rape kit you know who they are <laughs> you know where they live you know that yeah. they raped a woman you know that they shot up someone's house and sh- you know that's attempted murder you know all of yeah. them and the cops love to arrest gangs and you yeah. know the cops <laughs> and like <laughs> it's like why wouldn't you just tell the police if you love the yeah. cops so much you have all kinds of options here, man. <laughs> yeah, you that don't involve going and getting shot in this weird cockamamie scheme. Yeah, and it's like I guess he thinks this makes him a hero somehow, but yeah, like, and the movie does too because he falls into a Christ pose. Oh right, yeah, and he's like, oh, I've sacrificed myself so that the mom, the mom can, can live finally. They can live gang free. Uh, which that's the big problem, not poverty. It's the one gang too. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What about all the other racist caricatures of gangs that you've made yeah. up? Like, aren't they gonna harass Your racist Tao? warriors? Yeah. <laughs> so that's the end, and that's the and then uh, the very like there's a funeral for him, and all of his kids show up. Oh, and then they read his will, <laughs> yeah, which is he, racist, and he says beaners yeah. in the will, um, <laughs> and he leaves his great car that everyone loves, and everyone's like on the edge of their seats thinking they might get it. Like, who's going to get the Grand Torino? Guess who he leaves it to? It's Tao. And then, it's Tao, and then, of course, and then he drives it off, and this is the best <laughs> part, because Tao is driving up this highway, uh, and and he's like driving away from the camera. The camera is just like on a still shot of like a lake, I guess. Yeah. And uh, Tao drives off, and then the credits roll, and they play this song. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's you hear it all throughout the movie, but you never hear the lyrics. And then the lyrics, I swear to fucking god, it sounds like it's Clint Eastwood singing. I think it is Clint Eastwood singing. <laughs> it's not. It's his son. What really? Yeah, Why does he sound singing. like Tom Waits? Why does he sound like Clint Eastwood? <laughs> Because the song is just like, oh, Gran Torino. <laughs> it's so funny. Oh, the Gran Torino. <laughs> uh, 
Oh man! Oh my what god! What a piece of shit movie! What so, a piece yeah, of shit! So yeah, that's the fucking end of the movie. And, that's the end of the movie. And I guess the whole point of the movie is just like you can be a huge racist, and they love it. And as long as you kill the violent ones, and long as you threaten people racistly, uh, and yeah. then do some good, I guess you don't ever have to learn anything about how you treat people mm-hmm. you don't ever have to consider for even a second that you're demeaning people when you say slurs <laughs> and when you say mean things about them and when you no. you know rub stereotypes in their faces constantly you don't ever have to think about that as long as you respect the good ones yeah exactly um it's literally just a the good ones movie totally that's what it is it's, it's, there are it's some, a white savior the good ones movie there are some good asians and you mm-hmm. should be friends with them make sure that you uh you you check them out <laughs> check them yeah, out before you out, die check out asians folks and they need help big plug for asians <laughs> <laughs> they need help too they need help from the bad ones because most mm-hmm. of them are bad they're in gangs uh and they're just evil and violent for no reason Right. Um, and they want to stop the ones who are good from, you know, getting construction worker jobs and, and getting girlfriends and, you know, being in the fucking 50s, I guess, where they go to a drive-in movie and, and fucking <laughs> snog or whatever. Um, <laughs> I guess, I don't know what Clint Eastwood wants. Like they said in the 50s. I guess that's... Snog. Is that, is that British? I don't know. What did they say? It's just British, yeah. <laughs> um, um, anyway. So, yeah. W- would you recommend this movie? Fuck no, dude. Not only no, because it's no. racist. Because it's incredibly racist. It's really racist. What? In premise, and execution, everything about it is racist. Yeah. It is a racist-ass, pro-racism movie. But also because it sucks. Like, yeah. it doesn't look good. It The acting is shit tier. And it's not quite bad enough to laugh at. You you know, it's like, God is not, God's not dead is like, it's just over the line. Like, it's pretty boring. I wouldn't recommend watching that one because it's not laugh out loud funny. But this one is right. like just competent enough where it's just like kind of annoying to watch people act badly. <laughs> <laughs> like, wasn't quite funny enough. Uh, but what's so crazy about this movie is that in 2008, this has like 80% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, this was like, this was not, I wouldn't say it was like acclaimed, but I do remember people having a very positive opinion of this movie and people outright saying like, it it was robbery that this didn't get nominated for anything. It was like totally normal to walk around and be like, no, it was good. Yeah, Gran Torino was a sick movie. Sick movie. Like people really liked this movie. It's psychotic. Like I think the girl that I was dating at the time was like a huge <laughs> fan of this movie. Why? Is she a huge race? Like is she a Trump person? No, she was Asian. What? <laughs> <laughs> what on earth does that mean? Isn't that outrageous? How could you like yeah. this movie and be Asian? I don't know. I guess just the representation like are people were people so starved for representation that they were just like yeah well i mean it's fine they they I only guess. call black people spooks <laughs> and that's <laughs> no one apologizes for that that's not no like apologizes. oh you get to learn to love black people too no they're just racist against black people 
And again, he doesn't learn to love the Hmong people. He just learns to love his next door neighbors. Right. Also, that's all he when learns. When he reads the, and he doesn't say a racist thing to them as he's leaving to go die. That's the big. That's supposed to be the big moment for you is when he calls him Tao <laughs> and not Toad. Oh, right. And then and then he goes over to the grandma next door and he gives her the dog. Yes. And he doesn't make a joke about eating the dog. <laughs> Yeah, because you're thinking it. Because you're thinking he's gonna say he's it going for to sure. Because he's going dog. to his death, and he's gonna say because he's <laughs> saying to, he's giving her a list of instructions. And he's like, you know, the dog doesn't like this. He likes this. Blah blah blah. You know, his mm-hmm. name is this. He's this many years old. He's got these shots. Uh, see you later. Yeah. And you're thinking he's gonna be like, oh, and by the way, don't eat it. Because um, he said it not because we're a racist. He says it a million <laughs> times in this movie. It's his it's favorite a running joke. joke in this movie. <laughs> Every time he's he's like cooking a steak in their backyard, he's like, "How do you like your dog?" <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah, incredibly racist. I don't know how to, and I feel like 2008 was just a time where people were like, "Scraps are fine. Mm-hmm. I will eat this like representation that is literal dog shit." Uh, because I mean, it must be. So it's weird because I feel like this movie would not even fly a, like a little bit. I feel like it would be summarily panned across the board because you're just not allowed like it just means that the same freaks who write for the new york times or whatever because it's the same you know a.o scott or whoever (laughs) is like writing this and is like pretty good it's like you're still that racist don't (laughs) this is like watching somebody's it's like scrolling down to their tweets from 2008 (laughs) right just like seeing a whole community of people being like i liked it (laughs) 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 so yeah don't Um, watch this yeah don't don't watch it. It sucks shit. There's a couple of things that are worth it um, that like are worth looking at. Like there's like we said, the scene where uh, Sue comes home from getting beaten up and raped is is a really good scene. There's a scene I really liked. Um, one of the times that he's in the basement with Tao and they're talking about girls and um, he talks about his dead wife. Oh, yeah, that's it's... his his passion in that scene was really, really good. Um, yeah. and I think it was well acted. I think Clint is okay in this, actually. I think everybody else around him sucks oh, really sure. bad. Well, yeah. But he's actually really good in this, I think. I mean, he's pretty decent. I mean, yeah, because he's just playing himself. Like, yeah, of course. He's clearly just a racist. If the if the chair speech is anything to go off of. <laughs> like, you remember when he talked to a chair? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Was that the RNC? Yes. yes. Uh-huh. Uh, he's clearly just playing that character, which is him. Um, so he's f- fine in this. Like he seems like a real racist old man. <laughs> it's like you're watching a real guy. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I would not recommend. Sometimes it. you're born to play a role. Yeah. You know. <laughs> well, that's it. That's the episode. Yeah. So that's uh, Grand Torino, everybody. Thanks for watching Generation Loss. Watching it. You're watching it. <laughs> You're uh, watching it. <laughs> well, this has been Bryn. You can follow me at Kingdom Autography. You can follow Jeremy at Jeremy Thunder. Listen to my other show, BB Bledis. Listen to his other show, Ballin' Out Super. Uh, I've been streaming recently, uh, which has been a lot of fun, mostly about conspiracy theories and how to deal with them. Um, mm-hmm. And that's twitch.tv slash dullcare. Um, I think that's all we got. Oh, go to our patreon.com slash generation loss for bonus episodes, uh, which and, are fun. Uh, access to our discord server, 
where uh, Pfeiffer, friend of the show and friend of the Discord, That's right. uh, has been streaming the movies that we're watching every week. We have a special channel where we illegally stream movies. <laughs> Tell uh, everyone. And they're on loop, so you don't have to like be there at a certain time. They're on loop all day, so you can just kind of pop into the room and check them out. Right. If there's people around, you can hang out. If there's not, just watch the movie. It doesn't yeah. matter. Basically, if um, you want to watch the movie, we're going to talk about on the Monday, watch it on the Sunday before, and uh, yep. go on our Discord. So, five dollars—it's like a free Netflix. <laughs> yeah, uh, and check out my fucking. Um, oh yeah, check out my my YouTube videos, Jeremy my Thunder City Skyline shit. Yeah, Jeremy Thunder on YouTube. And uh, that's all. We'll see you next week. See you next time. Bye. So tenderly, your story. Nothing more than what you see or what you've done or will become. Standing strong, do you belong in your skin? Just wondering. Gentle mouth, the tender breeze blows, whispers through my grim Torino, whistling another tired song. Engine homes and bitter dreams grow Heart locked in the Gran Torino It beats a lonely rhythm All night long It beats a lonely rhythm All night long It beats a lonely rhythm All night long